Welcome to the Health Bites Podcast. This podcast features expert speakers presenting on topics of interest to all of our listeners, from librarians, public health practitioners, educators, and clinicians. Health Bites is supported by the National Institutes of Health, the National Library of Medicine, and the Network of the National Library of Medicine, Region 3. For more information, please visit us at www.nnlm.gov. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the 2023 edition of Health Bites with Region 3. We are pleased to welcome this month's speaker, Lorraine Sheldon. Lorraine Sheldon, pronouns she, her, hers, serves as the community engagement librarian for the Gibson D. Lewis Library at the University of North Texas Health Science Center at Fort Worth. In her role, Lorraine works to improve public health through access to quality health information. This role is accomplished through educational programming and materials designed for the public, technology solutions for access, and participating in community organizations, exhibits, and committees. Some notable projects include the HOPE Directory, a local database of health organizations, programs, and events, and the Preventative Care Family Package, a practical tool for families to manage children's health information. Lorraine also serves in several other professional capacities, including a consultant for the International Baha'i Library and Archives, the secretary of the South Central Regional Training Institute Board, president of Healthline, and an adjunct professor for the UNT Department of Information Science. Lorraine holds a Master of Information Science and a Bachelor's in Radio, Television, and Film. As a five-year breast cancer survivor, her understanding of patient needs is based on real-life experience. She believes deeply in the ability of communities to make meaningful change through efforts at the grassroots. Finally, Lorraine seeks to generate informative, empowering, and visually beautiful programming in all her work. In today's Health Bites, our speaker will give a presentation on creativity, ideation, and engagement, how a grant idea is formed. So Lorraine, thank you for being our guest speaker this morning, and I will turn everything over to you. Um, thank you all so much for joining this morning. I'm just going to get everything sorted here so I can see potentially you. Um, so yeah, so today we're going to talk about creativity, ideation, um, some of my, my favorite things, both information and design. So thank you all again for coming this morning. Really excited to, to talk to you and, and have a conversation uh, at the end. So the, the main takeaways I want you to walk away with um, from this presentation is really that the grants can take any, any form, all kinds of forms, and um, the practical examples we'll go through towards the end of the presentation um, hopefully provide that kind of spectrum that you can see that anything is possible. And I also love practical presentations, so we're going to look and together at a, a framework that I've put together to help you kind of generate your, your grant idea. And um, you already have the, the slides, but we'll also have a worksheet available for you to kind of go through after the fact, um, after you've gone through this presentation. So just an outline of kind of our, our roadmap for our presentation today. Um, we'll give a little introduction, again, uh, more context to, to my role and why I'm even speaking to you. Um, look at creativity in terms of the context of what we're talking about today. Um, explore design uh, and then look at the local factors. I, I want this to be applicable to anyone's situation. So really identifying those local factors is going to be super important. And then we'll look at practical examples and kind of using the framework that's listed here, kind of deconstruct them and, and what was decided and what worked well, what were challenges, what was successful. So again, um, I'm here at the University of North Texas Health Science Center at Fort Worth. And uh, we, we have a unique situation in our, our library and our university has had someone in my role um, for at least 30 years. Initially, it was part-time, but, um, you know, about 20 years ago, it became a full-time position, and there's been a lot of dedication um, to the external community that exists and um, needs the support of a, a medical information and a medical library. 
Um, so, so that might be a unique circumstance, but I don't want that to deter anyone. Um, no matter how much time you have in your roles or whatever you're coming from, uh, I think this will help, this framework will help you think about what is possible for your situation. Um, so in our context for where we're coming from in this presentation, our engagement mission as a, the Lewis Library really is to improve public health through increased access to quality health information. So we're information professionals, we're bringing that to the table through education and also partnerships um, with community partners. And what that looks like in terms of the scope and services of our engagement is really education. We will focus on adults, children, and professionals, different kind of contexts. Then we also um, will build technology-related um, resources and tools under that kind of bigger scope of access. And we, you can't leave out engagement when you're talking about engagement. So we're, we're out there in the community, we're in health spaces, we do a lot of um, marketing and create a lot of tangible tools in, in addition to technology tools. And then we're involved in organizations where we're serving on their boards and their steering committees. Um, that way we're, you know, we're engaging in the community that we're serving. And then, of course, site visits are a big part of that. But generally, um, we reach about 2,000 people in person, so in-person interactions, and then, you know, have several thousand above that uh, in terms of our technology interactions um, and the different things that we provide. So some program examples um, are, you know, we've had microbe programs for, for children that are story time based. We've had adult programs related to DNA. Um, some professional programs related to PubMed. But many of these, which is encouraging, were really developed initially um, through grant funding. So we developed them. And um, what's nice is that they, they have longstanding power. So like, even though we did them years ago, they're still useful to our work, um, which is worth the investment in terms of the time spent on applying for grants. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into it. We're gonna start with creativity because the the whole purpose of this presentation again is like how do I create an idea for a grant? So um, I want to pose a question, and I'd love to hear people's uh, or not hear. I'd love to see people's responses in the chat. Um, and the question is, you know, what words come to mind when you think about creativity? So I'll give you a second. Innovation, absolutely, definitely imagination, fabulous art. Yeah, art definitely comes up unique, out of the box, ideas. This is fabulous. Thank you guys. Oh, fun. I love it. Um, so yeah, all of these things, uh, and yeah, please keep continue adding to the chat, uh, are kind of uh, things that come to mind when we think of creativity. Some other kind of major words that end up in definitions are novelty, originality, innovation, um, but what we're going to look at today is kind of the process of creativity. You know, sometimes there's this myth that creativity is like you, you're walking down the street and suddenly a light bulb, like a spark happens and then an idea just appears. But really it's a process. So when I think of creativity, like true creativity happens within boundaries of limitation and constraint. And that can feel like, what's that? Like I'm an artist, like, but actually, you know, an artist has to choose a material, a medium, and those limiting factors, those boundaries that we're identifying to, together actually allows us to flourish in our creativity. Um, it, know, it helps us know where we're at in space. And then design is also an expression of purpose. Like, you know, there's a, there's a reason we're, we're creating this, you know, again, thinking about an artist, because art has come up, you know, just that desire to make something beautiful is a purpose for that creation. But we're looking at it in terms of, of grants today. So, so again, like as we explore this, it's really to find where our walls are. What, where are we working? What are, what are our constraints? So we're gonna start with design and the, the design process. And, um, I'm I'm only touching on this design thinking process could be like an entire course in uh you know in a university but I'm I'm really just adding this little nugget for you guys to kind of dig deeper as a, a librarian I love to know like okay I'm going to I'm going to look into that more so I'm just going to reference design thinking process as a term for you guys to do some more homework on um but really it is uh 
the process of, of like the formation of an idea from idea to product. And usually they're very user centric. So you're, you're tri- defining things. And um, really, again, I'm just referencing it, but we're going to look at this particularly um, section of define um, and a bit of emphasis, but this earlier stages. So in terms of a grant idea, um, defining your, your problem and solution are kind of the three first steps, I'd say, as a part of our framework of finding our grant idea. So, you know, sometimes problem and need are put together, but I think, you know, a problem is like, what is it that needs to be resolved? Um, so in this example, uh, food insecurity in a particular geographic area of a zip code is the problem. So like, what does that mean? So you have to respond to that problem. What is the need because of that problem? That's our next kind of area in this framework. So, okay, there's food insecurity, then access to fresh food and, and quality food is the need. Uh, and then we, we lead into solutions. So we have our problem, we, we identify what is needed, and then the solution, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to that need? So in this example, again, providing educational resources on community and home gardens so that people can build that capacity to uh, supply their own fresh food and quality food. And I, I wanna take a moment here and say, you know, there are lots of problems and there are many solutions. And no matter how small that solution may be, just like education or, or building capacity, that's still worthwhile. There's obviously systemic, um, problems that require bigger solutions. But when you're, you know, forming a grant idea, any contribution, any solution is, is kind of eating at that elephant and, and getting um, and kind of helping resolve these these bigger problems. So there's a there's a star on the solution for a reason. So I want to add to this particular um, kind of defining your solution, this concept of form and function. Um, so whenever from my experience, whenever I'm thinking about the solution that I'm generating, I'm also in the back of my mind also thinking about its functionality and its form. So like, what does that mean? Um, in this example, we have this teapot example. Uh, a functionality is basically, does this tool do what it's meant to do? Um, does it have the intended effect? So in this example, you see this picture of this teapot. It's a teapot. And I bet I bet you could like hold it and it'd be pretty hot and you could get it to pour, but essentially the handle isn't where it's meant to be. So it's it's going to be hard to use. Its functionality is not going to be easy to use. It's not going to exactly do what it needs to do. Um, but but when it does, like a normal teapot, if it does what it does, then that's great. So that's what we're going for is functionality. But also like an added thing is form. So form is just like the beauty of the thing. Um, does it look good? Are you attracted to it? And so here's an example. I, you can't even tell necessarily that it's a teapot unless you really look at it. You're like, oh, there's the handle and there's the spout. Um, but it's beautiful. And I think that has a functionality too. Um, but maybe you're less likely to use it. It's more of a piece of artwork. Like my parents have China. It's a plate. I could use that plate, but I'd never do because it's, it's too pretty. <laughs> so when we have like a solution that has both function and form where it, it, it's inviting the use, like it does what it needs to do, but it's also attractive. It's the beauty attracts that use, it's like excellence at its finest. So that's what, you know, we're also thinking about that when we're designing our solutions. So just to keep that in mind. So the next section um, we're gonna look at is local factors. And, and this is where, um, you know, you have all these different problems, needs, solutions, but really your local factors is what's gonna make it useful to your individual, like, circumstances and and how you can cater it to your uh, kind of environment that you're working in. So I've defined these kind of three local factors in identifying your grant um, project. So there's you, there's your partners, and then your community. So you're trying to get to that center section where all three of those are utilized well. So like, what does that mean? Um, you obviously if you're doing the grant or it's a team of people that are doing a grant, 
you have talents, you have your, your time may be limited or, or abundant, and you also have interests. You shouldn't negate or, or not think about how you factor into this grant. And then also there are partners. They have needs, they have talents they bring to the table. Um, they're who you're connected to, which um, you know might be you know, connected to different populations and things like that. <clears throat> and then, you know, most important of all, I would say um, you save the best for last is the community. They have needs, they have talents, and you also have to think about what they actually want. So we're going to explore these a little bit further. So in the worksheet that you'll get at the end, um, we have these kinds of questions that you can ask yourself. So so looking more specifically at you as the individual factor, um, what passions, what are you passionate about? So passion, I think it usually equates to time. So like, or love, like when you love something. So when you love something, nothing is too much trouble. And somehow there's always time. There's always time for it. <clears throat> so, you know, take the time and think, well, what are, what am I passionate about? What do, what do I like? <clears throat> and then what skills do you possess? So I'm a librarian. I have um, organizational skills, um, very much into information. <clears throat> so what are the skills you're bringing to the table? Taking the time to think about that. <clears throat> and then you can't leave out what communities you belong to. Uh, this is significant. We're going to talk about communities in a slide or two, but <clears throat> you know, it's, it's the equivalent of insider information. You have an experience. You know what it's like to live in your, your area or be a part of a particular culture or experience in the like in in life. So, you know, thinking about that experience um, is also useful. Like what communities am I already connected to? Next is partnerships. So I wanna say now like partnerships are really important and I wanna go into more detail when we look at the examples of how part, how do you reach out to partners specifically? But in kind of formulating and finding the boundaries for your grant idea. Um, partnerships, uh, one way to start is just to find um, organizations or departments if you're a particular a part of an institution that align with your efforts. So you've thought about what you're passionate about, you know, maybe what the goals are of your, your department and find other organizations and departments that have those same efforts. And there's a lot of them. So that's kind of like a step one in partnerships do some, a little bit of research, some sleuthing, figure that out. And then go be with those people, volunteer with them, you know, support their efforts. Uh, and in an example, um, I've, for the past several years, since I started this uh, position, I've worked um, with the Hispanic Wellness Coalition in our area. And it's, it's been a lovely experience. And through serving with them, through supporting their efforts, um, that's where some ideas have come from. And, and that's where you'll find when you're in their spaces, when you're supporting things, that you identify what problems they may need to solve through conversations, through just being together. Next is community. Again, this is my favorite part. I'm a community engagement librarian for a reason, but. Um, one thing to keep in mind, uh, just to start off, is that even if you build something that is fabulous, it doesn't equal that they'll come. So this isn't field of dreams, they will build it, they'll come. But um, so, you know, there's a level of marketing and connection that you, you need to develop. Um, I mean, and, and again, through these examples, you'll see kind of the range of what that looks like. But just to be conscious of that, like, and not be discouraged by it. Um, it's a reality of things. You just keep going at it. Um, and it kind of leads to the second one. Um, even though you might identify a need for a community, it doesn't always align with what they want. And again, uh, that's okay. Um, but you just have to be conscious of that. And that's why it's so important to be connected with the community and in the community that you're, you're hoping to serve because that's where you're going to um, learn about their, their desires. And hopefully we can align that with um, some needs that are identified. And, and most importantly, uh, in my opinion, is to consider how you're approaching the community that you're serving. So I definitely recommend avoiding paternalism or assumptions about the community that you're working with. Um, and that, 
you know, just taking some time when you're, you know, reflecting about your, your ideas later on, it's just like, what is my approach? How am I treating um, the, the community that I'm serving? How am I approaching it humbly? So, so with that, we're going to dig into our examples um, and take some time kind of deconstructing them with this framework. So again, so our evaluation we're going to use for um, kind of the grant factors is the, the problem, the need, solution, you, the partners, and the community. So um, for the context of this presentation, we're going to look at the past five or six years, um, and we're not going to go through each one of these grant projects. We're just going to go through four of them. And again, because of the context of um, our particular mission that I'm, uh, I'm at an academic medical library, our, our kind of major theme that runs through all of these is information literacy, like helping um, different populations locate, evaluate, and use effectively the information that um, they need to use ultimately. So the first grant project um, we're gonna explore, this is uh, for context, this is my first um, grant project in the position I'm currently in. And I had come from an organization that was focused on community development. It was, it was a fairly large organization with lots of people working on it. So it was a different experience to be like, okay, this is, this is just me doing all of these things. <clears throat> but the, the community health workshop was the, the first grant we proposed. And basically it was centered on e-health literacy. Uh, it, was, it was basically a class that taught um, the community members about Medline Plus and how to access quality resources. And um, we also added kind of this desired hope that um, people who would come to the workshop would maybe come back together and form a health project of their own for their community. And um, again, we added, there was a lot of different parts to this grant, and I'll, I'll go ahead into the, the next slide, which we also included a part of this grant, um, these little community health information kind of kiosks. So essentially, it was a, a list of quality resources that we would curate and, and maintain but in the form of a, a kiosk that would live, say, at a public library, that people could come up and touch and, and find a resource that they're looking for. And then on top of that, we also included in our grant funding um, new kind of public health uh, tools and resources for our public health partners. Um, so using our framework to evaluate this particular workshop, um, it, it was actually, if I'm honest, it was a lot of different, it could be four different grants with all the different parts, but you know, ultimately the problem we were trying to solve um, was health literacy, um, especially electronic health literacy. So that was our problem. And then, um, so the need was clarity around where to find health information. That's, that's kind of the, the need that a community member would have. So again, we created workshops, we hoped for community development projects, there was kiosks, there was public health materials. Um, so there was all these things um, that we included in this initial grant. And uh, again, for that functionality form, we really you know, focused on creating a really attractive kiosk and, and the responses we got that they were cute, like people wanted to touch it. So we felt like in that sense, it accomplished that form and function. Um, so that was kind of these pieces here. And then what I brought was experience facilitating community projects. And um, I'm gonna skip to the community. And the general community where we were focusing on was like Tarrant County, which is giant. There are millions of people here. Um, but uh, our partners were public libraries and the public health department. So how, how we reached out to them, how I reached out, it was cold calling. I called, I, I found a map of all the public libraries, did some research, okay, what was their number? And just started calling and explaining, we wanna do this project. We'd love to do this, it's free. And a lot of them responded. We had great responses um, just by being clear and honest about what we were hoping to accomplish. And with our public health department, 
Um, this was actually a relationship that had been formed with previous people in my position, but they were new to me. So I took the time to, um, again, invite them to our library, create a brought, like made snacks and, and did a little presentation for them and got to know them and what their needs were. But I think it was really important to take that time to make people feel at home, to get to know each other and spend time together, even though um, they had some knowledge of what we did, but they didn't know me. So taking that time to invite someone in and and hear them and then uh, also give a presentation about what the hopes were with the project. Have you ever had someone really believe in you, cheer you on from the sidelines, brag about your hard work, open doors to new opportunities and fresh experiences? At NNLM Region 3, we believe in the incredible value offered by the next generation of library school students and information professionals. We invest in professional development, presentation opportunities, and projects that support the unique ideas these folks bring to the table. Want to learn more about our student and early career opportunities? Send us an email today, nnlmregion3 at unthsc.edu. I'm Bailey Sterling from NNLM Region 3, and I believe in you. Now, back to the show. So what was successful um, was our part, our, our partnerships, um, absolutely. Uh, it was really great to enter those, those different relationships, which are still strong today. And then again, like I mentioned, the patrons were really attracted to the kiosks. And... Uh, so those were our biggest successes with that program. Um, the challenges was, it was a lot in one grant. Um, it was just like me being really ambitious, I guess, or like hopeful or naive. I suppose. I, it could be all a combination of those, which is fine. Like, uh, so all that to say, like, you know, even small little projects, even if it was one part of that would be a success. Um, uh, we weren't necessarily embedded in the community, uh, you know, um, and so like, for instance, some of the public libraries didn't have necessarily a history of adult program. So that was that was a big um, leap for those populations to come. And then again, like the, the population was a little large. Again, that was my desire. Like everyone needs to know about health literacy. Like literally everyone has health and everyone needs it. And that's true. But there's no problem with like kind of finding a portion of a population and, and focusing on that a little bit more. So our next example is the Hope Directory, and there's a QR code there for you <clears throat> if you want to like see what it looks like um, now. So this was a, a, a directory. It's, it's a website that has a directory of health organizations, their programs and events. So that's what Hope stands for. And it's a responsive design. It works on your phone um, really nicely. Um, and then, of course, we, we share all the, the kind of infrastructure for it. Um, so the problem we were trying to solve was that it was unclear where events are. So going back to that partnership part, <clears throat> I was in a steering committee. They were doing their strategic plan for the year. And the question came up was like, I don't know when or the organization didn't know when other organizations were hosting their health fairs. So the question, well, when do we hold our health fair? Well, we couldn't answer that question. When are other health fairs? So that was that was the problem. We didn't know when everything was in our community. So the need was we needed to update the resource. Um, that wasn't uh, like an updated resource that is not machine driven. So a lot, there are resources like 211. I think we have a local county one that's, that's designed, but those are curated by robots kind of grabbing information online. Um, and what we wanted to bring to the table, our solution was a human curated directory of local organizations. So we have um, staff to this day that kind of help maintain it and make sure it's checked and, and, and valid and have conversations with these organizations regularly. And um, in terms of thinking about form and function, we really focused on making a user-friendly modern design that was easy to, to navigate. It was just really clear, like, oh, this information is here. Sorry. Take a second. 
So what we brought to the table was um, we were information professionals, or I was an information professional. And, <laughs> excuse me, um, being at a library, we are also in this fantastic position of being really neutral. People, when we approached them about being added to the directory, didn't feel a sense of competition because libraries particularly are all about letting people know what other people are doing. Like people are doing amazing things in the community and we wanna let you know. So the, the library from being from this position was really excellent because that the kind of wall that might exist when you approach someone wasn't there because they know what libraries are about. Our partners, um, you know, before it was external partners. In this case, it was working internally within our department with a different division. So our library digital scholarship um, was our biggest partner. And um, in terms of funding, we actually allocated our budget, like a majority of our budget to the salary of the web developer because she was putting in a lot of work for this. And then of course, um, our conversations with organizations. They were kind of natural partners because they were entering, <coughs> they were entering their information into the directory. So our, our scope was geographically large still, Tarrant County and surrounding counties, but it wasn't like a million people. We were trying to find uh, a few hundred organizations basically. So it was a bit more manageable in that sense. So what was successful was, um, again, the partnerships um, and showing in a real tangible way that we were supporting them. Um, and then people who find um, Pulp Directory absolutely love it. We've had people from the community reach out to us and be like, can I tell people about this? And we're like, absolutely. <laughs> like, here's some here's some cards. They like help design little um, business cards that they could hand out in their neighborhood. But challenges, it's always a challenge, um, you know, to market, constantly marketing and letting people know uh, is, is always a challenge. And then, you know, the launch took longer than maybe we anticipated, but that's okay. I think grant timelines are always kind of a estimation. So being okay with that. Um, so our third, our third example is our preventative care family package. So this was a different uh, approach. I have a the booklet here. So this was, it was a two-part um, project where we were creating a tool for parents uh, to kind of manage their, their health information of their, their children, along with educate them about um, uh, vaccines and um but it's a it's a practical, tangible tool that they could keep their health, uh, child's health information together in one place <laughs> if they didn't necessarily have a PCP or an electronic health record. They could have this one that they could bring around with them. <clears throat> and then there was a complementary children's activities. So the vocabulary that was used in the children's books paralleled to the adult books, so they could have a conversation and build health literacy that way. So again, our problem we were trying to solve um, was health literacy. Um, the need was the ability to manage uh, their health records for their child. And then, so the, the response that we had um, that we designed <clears throat> or the solution was this, you know, a, a booklet that we really focused uh, a lot of our funding on the beauty of it. The, uh, we worked with an illustrator and then printing something tangible. That was the, the major portions of our, our funding for the grant. Um, but those were kind of the, the parts of it. So what I brought to the table is like, I have always wanted to like publish a children's book. That was just like a random desire I had. Um, and then I had design skills that I could bring to the table. So my own interest kind of drove this project and that's fine. It's not a selfish thing to, to do what you like or what you're interested in. Um, and again, we went a little bit, uh, we went outside our department, but still in our institution for our partnership, we reached out to the pediatric um, department, the pediatric mobile clinic, and also another department, which is the um, North Texas Eye Research Institute. So they both have outreach activities, um, and we said, you know, we have this idea, 
would this be useful for you? And kind of work through the content that would be useful for them. Um, but again, it was those, uh, we had been in spaces together um, as outreach folks from the same institution. So there was a relationship and then we identified a problem together with them um, and, and brainstormed together. Um, so the, the community was significantly smaller. So we were focused um, again on health literacy like we have before, but the population was the, the patients of these two um, mobile kind of clinics. Um, so it was manageable, it was a manageable patient population and we could be a bit more specific about their health literacy needs. So the successes of this is that um, they actually incorporate uh, this booklet into the, the patient care process. So for new patients, they get a booklet um, and educational materials. And then people in the community that we give these out on, like other organizations have been like, can we, can we print these? Can we have some? So we can give them out as well. So that was just really lovely. I think it was a power of creating something that was both functional and beautiful because people like want to touch it, they want to experience it. Um, our challenge, of course, is uh, the printing cost. So we, you know, it takes several thousand dollars to create a book that this is this large. It's like a full page. Um, but, you know, that's how it goes, right? <laughs> we, I think um, different departments have have funds and they've paid for their own um, purchase of more booklets, which is fine. And then our last example I'll go over in the, the last few minutes, so we have time for questions, is um, the Sustainable Eating and Nutrition Literacy um, Program. So this, this project um, is focused on sustainable practices, like, uh, and then also its connection to food. So um, the kind of target audience is families and educating families about um, nutrition literacy, but, but also connecting that to what you eat also has not effect just on you, but also your community and also your environment. So like even those small choices have a profound effect. And um, so I'll go over our next. Thing. So this is kind of what it looks like, this, this concept of sustainability in food. So like you have what you choose to eat. Um, you can think about that in terms of sustainability by, you know, making sure you don't waste food, uh, eating uh, organic if it's possible, buying local. These kind of minor adjustments have, have profound effects. So again, we talked about nutrition literacy, that's a major part. And then the, the secondary half is sustainability. And the, the sustainability part, you know, you saw a sample page, but we also talk about, we always talk about um, some sort of capacity building. So we talk about composting and how to do that. We talk about container gardening and what that looks like um, and how you can do it practically. And then every family, in addition to the educational materials, gets a little growing kit, like a sprouting kit. So they can grow, they have the experience of growing their own food on their own. MedPix is a free, open access, online database of medical images, teaching cases, and clinical topics. This resource includes over 12,000 patient case scenarios, 9,000 topics, and nearly 59,000 images. Students and practitioners can use the case studies as practice, and physicians may earn continuing medical education credit. So what this looks like, the, the problems, these giant problems that we're trying to tackle, right, um, in a small way is obviously climate change, climate action, nutrition literacy, and also food insecurity at a local level. So the need is a practical solution presented in an approachable way. Um, so we created our solution was educational material with an accompanying growing kit. So we, we were really thoughtful. We spent months thinking about the language, because we, again, the library is a neutral kind of institution. We wanted to think about, be very thoughtful about the words we use so that we didn't alienate particular populations that maybe weren't comfortable with the word climate change or things like that, but there was still um, kind of things they could do that can contribute that is still useful. So again, we tried to make a beautiful booklet and we really focused and, and refined our, our growing kit. And we, we actually tested two out and, and went with one that was the easiest to use. 
So our passion was family and design and publishing, again, a little bit like our, our previous one, but this one was targeted towards <clears throat> the whole family. And the, the partners we reached out to was um, our sustainability office on campus. Um, we uh, Other people heard about it. Uh, so our Safer Care um, Texas friends who are, are focused on patient health safety reached out to us and they're like, this is great. Can we join? And then we'll also be working. Um, we, we've actually been creating a lot of relationships with um, sustainability partners in our North Texas area. And um, we'll hopefully be distributing um, the kits through community gardens and um, different community spaces. So our North Texas community is kind of the community we're focused on, and specifically um, those zip codes that have food insecurity or maybe food des desert. So that's kind of this kind of narrowing down not just North Texas, but specific communities. So our success is that it's timely. People really like it. Um, it's especially with inflation, even like growing kits are useful for every family. Um, really it's, it's, it's lovely. It's a really bonding experience as a family to grow food together and eat it. And, um, you know, uh, parents who don't necessarily eat as much vegetables as their children, because, you know, the parents are like, you need to eat your vegetables, but they don't necessarily eat it. When they grow something together, they, they actually have this collective experience and it helps everyone in the family um, eat more quality food. Um, but we've had people incorporated into their department um, goals. Uh, our project that we created, they're like, oh, you need to go help the, uh, the library with this. Um, but the challenge is obviously the process took longer than we expected to develop, but we're just really satisfied. We, we talked to many different experts to make sure we're saying the right things. So we feel like we've made something that will last a while. So, so yeah, that's those are hopefully some helpful examples. And um, you know, we're gonna move on to kind of questions and answers. So I'd love to if you if we want to brainstorm this together, we can. But <clears throat> the framework worksheet is available. We might be able to put this link in the chat potentially. Um, but we put um, this kind of worksheets so you can work through the kind of different stages so that when you're thinking of your your grant idea. Um, so that's available to you guys um, at, through our repository. But I'm going to hand it back over. This is my information if you want to capture that. Um, but I'd love to open it up for questions. And I'll stop sharing if that's helpful. If I can find the button there. Thank you so much, Lorraine, for mm -hmm. that presentation. And I, I love I love the way you mentioned, yes, like health literacy affects everyone. You know, you, you want to share your knowledge with the world, but it helps when you're doing a grant to kind of think small and think of who you can who you can help without kind of trying to take on the world, especially when you're doing a project um, by yourself. Yeah. Okay. So I know, okay, so we have a couple of, okay, questions are coming through. Um, so the first one that came through um, was talking about your last, uh, the last project that you were talking about. I believe it was when you were showing kind of the graphic of what, like, the environment or growing all of the food in your local area and was asking if that, like, that slide or that presentation was part of the grant, I believe, and like the PSA of, like, why it's important. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's actually, um, it's just, uh, I have, we haven't, our, our thing is at the printer now, but if you can see my screen, it's actually a pay, it's a layout in our page. So like, it's a part of our booklet. So I just took that out so people could see it. Um, but I can show some other pages. Um, these are some other like spreads from that. But, uh, yeah, so it's just part of our, our, our content. This is like, the how-to of a growing kit, like what are the stages of the growing kit and things like that. Perfect. Okay, we've got a couple of questions in. Oh, let's see. The first question is, our H or one of our questions is, our HSC library isn't open to the public. Any advice for engaging more with the community? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, we used, we're kind of in flux. We don't have people come as much. Um, I, you know, through the pandemic, I think, um, 
we actually had to do a lot digitally. So all of our, our and I'm working on this process now, but um, creating packages like digital packages of educational material and putting it say in your repository for people to download. Um, there's so many populations that could benefit from that, like teachers, library um, program directors. So I think, I think you can still um, make like educational tools and, and put them out there through your digital outlets. And then, it, you know, I think if they can't come to you, uh, it's always nice to go to them if, if your leadership allows that as part of your time. Maybe it's just one health fair and, and you're telling them about Medline Plus or giving them a list of quality resources. I think there's a lot of different ways. It is sad though. It was really nice to have um, the community be able to come in, but I think there's both digitally and, and then taking yourself out of the library are um, some of the suggestions I have. Okay, thank you. Okay, now we've got a question about kind of applying for the grants. And do you develop the budgets for your grant submissions and how do you plan on what you need to purchase and justify with your grant money? And then there's a follow-up to that, but I'll let you start. So how do you, how do you figure out your grant, what, your, your budget? What are you going to need? Would, yeah, well, I think I, first I figure out like this, I use this framework, like what am I going for? Like, and then um, uh, I think funds are, you know, either you could put them towards the salary time of people would say developing something digital, if it, it ends up being like a digital object, um, because ultimately that doesn't require any printing necessarily. So you could put it towards the time that that person is allotting to that, um, which makes your leadership happy. They're like, oh, thanks for this money. Um, but I think uh, also creating tangible things. So like all the materials, uh, like for our growing kits, like the cost of the, the glass container, the, the special lids, um, using contractors. So we, uh, some of our funds go to an illustrator to make all the illustrations. That's I don't know, like $2,000 there. Um, also translation costs money. So like the contractors that you use to, to put things together, um, there's different kind of buckets. Uh, that first grant I did, um, we actually, we bought a few thousand dollars worth of um, kind of like display things, tool teaching tools for our public health partners. So like, you know, like you'll you'll see those like, fat soluble things that you can tip over. You can see like the model of blood and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I think the easiest thing to spend your money on is, is tangible stuff, but I think there's other creative ways like salaries and um, contractor cost and, and things like that. I, hopefully that helps. I don't know. Thank you. And then also a follow-up was which agencies do you, do you reach out to to get grant funding? Yeah, so um, obviously the the National Library of Medicine is a, a natural um, one because I'm a medical library. Uh, because it is hard, I, I would say it is hard to spend like a ton of money. It's kind of like overwhelming. So I appreciate how they're manageable size. Um, we also have uh, in our region um, kind of a, a coalition of medical libraries and they have their, their grants. But I think there's actually... A surprising number of grants that are are local that you you can go for or statewide. I think um, people have a lot of success here in Texas um, applying for some of the the state uh, grant funding. Also, the um, the FDA uh, has some some good funding. They they're pretty generous, uh, but I think with smaller grants through organizations or kind of local collaborations, uh, those are the ones that I've been successful with. And also the, the National Library of Medicine. It's kind of an every year thing, um, so. Okay, so another great question. How do you scope projects so that they can be time limited? A lot of things that are worth doing once for a year are worth doing indefinitely, but grant funding isn't usually available for an ongoing program. So do you do a grant funded pilot? And then kind of what, what happens after that? Yeah, exactly. I think all of the, uh, any grant we've done, we we think about it in terms of how will it be sustained afterwards. So um, I, for instance, with the Hope Directory, you know, I, I made sure with leadership and administration that this is something we wanted to continue to support. Um, 
So, I mean, obviously the initial push was pretty big, but now it's just maintaining and, um, you know, adding and, and maintaining a relationship. So the, the time commitment isn't as high as those first years that were grant funded, um, but we still maintain it. And um, yeah, I, you know, I think uh, I'll, we make sure that it can be a digital form later. And I, I all the content that we developed, I still use in, in programs now. Um, yeah, I think it, it's always good. It, they can always last beyond um, the grant funding year. And actually, sometimes it's it's nice not to be under a grant because, like, for example, our sustainability grant that we're going to do uh, that we're doing currently um, next year, we're going to apply for IR, IRB approval and kind of work, say, with our public health folks and and do some more research around it. But because of the limitations now, we can't really do that. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, hopefully it does a little bit. It, it's natural that the grant you do for a year can really be used for a long time, um, but it's a challenge I have, like I've shared, like you do need fun to print things that are tangible, but um, we're just gonna look for more money somewhere else. Thank you. Yes, a lot of right. If you're if you're purchasing materials, you know that you can use those after they're still useful um, after yeah. the time of the projects. Okay. Yeah. So we have. Oh, well, I'm waiting for some more questions to come in. We had a, a really great um, comment. Someone who said they um, really appreciated exploring boundaries. What is within the solution and what is not within the solution? That so often when approaching a grant, folks want to include everything, and focus really supports the impact um, and sustainability. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, like, I think we all have big hearts who are here and want to do grants, and we we want to try and solve all the problems that exist, but I think just appreciating that the effect you have on just even an individual person's life is profound. So there's nothing wrong with thinking about a, a smaller pocket of people, 100 people, or a campus community, or whatever it might be, um, so, and recognizing that even those little bits are kind of eating at this big elephant, you know, what is, what's that saying? Like, you know, if there's a problem, it's like eating an elephant and you just have to take it a bite at a time. So, yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you to everyone for joining us today. And a special thanks, of course, to Lorraine for sharing your expertise with us. We look forward to seeing you all at next month's Health Bites with Region 3. Thank you for listening. Health Bites podcast was produced by the network of the National Library of Medicine, Region 3. This podcast is eligible for one CE from the Medical Library Association. Visit the link in the episode description to claim your MLA CE.